Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss an article from the August issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Pros and Cons of Fall Planting Winter and Spring Small Grains. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by one of the co-authors, Dr. Darren Redfern, who's Nebraska Extension Forage and Crop Residue Systems Specialist. Thanks for joining me today. Good morning, Aaron, and thank you very much for having me today. Well, Darren, as we look at this fall, there's going to be some opportunity to think about utilizing some small grain, either short-term as we think about fall planting, something that we could get some grazing from yet this fall, or looking to next spring, uh, planning a winter annual that we would have some grazing after that uh, late March, early April time period. Talk through with us some of the pros and cons of a winter or spring small grain in terms of seeding that. What can we expect and what are some things to think through, especially in light of current forage cost as we consider looking at these as options? Yeah, so there's a there's a lot to unpack in that question there. You know, I, I think I'll, I'll start out a bit, and I think a lot of this is, is going to be more of a, a reminder for many, but I, I do think as a, as a starting point, given the shortage of forage we have, both uh, hay is also grazed forages. As you mentioned, I do think that's going to open up a lot of opportunities to, to think a little bit about some of the things that we've known in the past, but we normally don't do because uh, of the availability of, of other forages. Effectively, looking at the uh, looking at fall forage production, and the reason I bring that up first is because across much of the state, it's getting time to go ahead and thinking about options to to plan our forages. We're looking to what I would call maximize fall forage production. You know, that's the old standby oats is, is traditionally uh, done a very good job of uh, producing fall forage. Again, if we can get some adequate precipitation and, and also fertility uh, with that, we can likely produce uh, up around two, two and a half tons an acre. Uh, pretty well across the average across the state. I, I do think there's some areas where it can produce more. Also, don't forget about the spring triticale and or spring barley. Sometimes uh, those tend to be a, a few cents cheaper uh, than the oats. Generally, what we see on the fall forages, regardless of which species you use, quality is going to be pretty much the same across the board because many of these, uh, the three we mentioned, generally don't uh, ever reach reproductive maturity, so the quality remains very high. If we're looking only at uh, a spring production, I think the old standbys there of cereal rye is, is always at the uh, always at the top of the list. But we also shouldn't forget about uh, winter triticale and or winter barley. The issues with the winter triticale and winter barley is uh, sometimes winter triticale doesn't survive a severe winter. And oftentimes winter barley doesn't. So there's some risk uh, within, with including those. If you're looking at a combination of fall and spring production, or which I think some producers have started to, to look at that a little bit and and you know, again, we're getting to the mixtures, but I'm a simple guy, so I deal with simple mixtures. I think the the best example we've got of something like that would be including a uh, a mixture of oat and cereal rye. The oat would give us fall production. The cereal rye would give us a uh, a little bit. The oats would winter kill, and then the the cereal rye then will will kick off in the spring. So those are are, are kind of what we're looking at. Are you interested in only fall production? interested in mainly spring production or, or do you try to want to provide a 
a combination of both fall and spring. And I, I do think we've got a, got a pretty good handle on what to expect from some of those different types of forages. Darren, talk a little about seeding dates and when we might be past our window of opportunity as we think about trying to get some growth on the spring annuals, thinking here of oats, spring barley, spring triticale. Uh, when's that window closed for us in terms of trying to get much growth this fall? Yeah, I, I think those uh, those species, the oats, the spring triticale, and spring barley, you know, we're, we're getting almost to the middle of that window now i i try to lump things to get you know if you've got those in the ground by august 15th that would be uh, pretty ideal if your planting date is august 16th I, I wouldn't wouldn't worry about that so you know basically the ideal date sometime around august 15th uh, certainly if you start moving to september uh, you need to start thinking a little bit more about some of the uh, winter small grains at that point i think once you get to october 1st uh, winter small grains is, is about the only option. You're not going to get virtually any fall growth from the, the spring forages after October 1st. And that October 1st date is kind of critical. You also won't get much growth of fall forages that you planted August 15th after after October 1st. That's when the, the day length starts to, to shorten up quite a bit. Temperatures start to drop and then Oh, likely in some areas of the state, we're within probably two or three weeks of having our, our first killing frost. Uh, just to go a little more on some of these spring annuals planted in August or early September, you know, I'm out on the west part of the state. And so I would say on our end, if you're going to do that, you really do need to get those in pretty quickly. We get much past the 15th to the 20th of August and we just, uh, our elevation and temperatures, we don't get as much growth off of those spring planted annuals in the fall. So you've got a little more growing degree days, a little warmer nights uh, there on the eastern end of the state. But uh, one of the things that really gets my attention with some of these spring annuals planted late summer, early fall is just how well they hold their quality. Uh, just through the fall and winter, you know, you said they'll often not go reproductive, but they seem to accumulate a lot of sugar still in yep. the leaves and the stem. And it's amazing to me how well they'll hold their quality even into uh, January, February. Yeah, I know one of one of the co-authors, Mary Dronowski, has done some some grazing work on the uh, small grains, in particular the oats uh, that were grown in the the fall, allowed to winter kill. So effectively, was was grazing them as a as a stockpile. Yeah, she grazed those back during November and December. They didn't look good at all. Still had extremely high quality. As a matter of fact, they had enough that. Uh, they could add about two to two and a quarter pounds of gain per day on growing steers. You know, so so that brings the point that that boy, they do hold their quality well, even under conditions where they're not growing and are actually uh, actually going dormant. The winter small grains, you know, they're not going to be producing a lot during the cold weather. But I, mean, I think if, a lot of times, if you dig down underneath the uh, underneath all that growth, you can still find some green on those throughout the winter. Yeah, so, so they're effectively uh, still very high quality as well. So on those winter grains that you plant uh, in the fall, you know, they might produce probably a, a ton an acre. In a good year, you know, they might get a ton and a half. So those winter small grains are not going to be productive in the fall as much as the, the spring varieties, uh, but they will produce some usable forage and that quality is going to be very high. Uh, typically, we don't see much much reduction in yield 
uh, whether those are, are grazed or not during the fall. Uh, that's the reason that including that rye with that oat works pretty well. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the point there. You know, it's one of the challenges we had with this article was trying to cover the broad spectrum of environmental conditions in Nebraska and in your area in the panhandle. Uh, yields are, are going to be quite a bit lower than they will over here in the eastern part where where I do a lot of a lot of my work. So I appreciate you for for pointing that out. Well, Darren, anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic today? You know, we always talk about species selection, you know, and it's always seemed like there's a lot more choices than there actually are. Using oats as an example, there are numerous, numerous varieties of oats. Some are going to be a little more productive than others, but I don't know that one is, is going to be far superb over, over another one. Cereal rye doesn't have a, a lot of choices. The big choices there are between whether they're a, a southern type or winter type. So the, the cereal rye Elbon is classified as a southern type. Uh, the thing about the southern types is they tend to grow longer into the fall and they begin greening up earlier in the spring. The winter rise or, or winter type rise, they'll go dormant much earlier in the fall, and then they begin to green up later in the spring. As far as I can tell from uh, looking at some research scattered around is, is that whether they're southern type or winter type, they'll all survive the winter in Nebraska. So, you know, there again, it, it doesn't make a lot of difference about the rye. Just know the difference between the uh, the southern types and the uh, and the northern types. Well, Darren, thanks again for joining me today for being part of the Beef Watch podcast. Aaron, again, thank you very much for having me today. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you can find additional resources on this topic.